0: Oh, Chicka Boom, Chicka Boom, don't you just love it? You have reached NH Unscripted. I am your host, Ray Dudley. We are coming to you from the palatial digs of WKXL Studios in Concord. 1450 AM, that's not a morning reference, that's the band, 103.9 FM, both of those are conquered. And for you lovely folks in Manchester, you can find us on 101.9 FM. We are also on the interwebs at nhtalkradio.com, and I would like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Lakes Region Fence up in Guilford. Matt and the crew up there, LRFence.com. They do tremendous work. I've personally seen it. Go out to LRFence.com. Take a look at all the pretty pictures. If you're a lonely guy like me, grab your cat. Go out there. Punch in LRFence.com. Spend hours just pouring over the beautiful fence pictures. Thank you, Matt. We appreciate all you do for us here. We really do. Okay. You know how when you're watching like Mannix or uh, Columbo or Hawaii Five-O, and the, the credits are rolling and it's got all the actors and the characters they performed and then it says special guest star. That's today. That's today. Special guest star in the studio. My good friend, Mr. George Peel. How are you, sir? <coughs>
1: It's going to be a long day. <laughs> it's going to oh, be a long oh, day. Oh, hi, hi Ray. <laughs> ah, it's so good to see you. Do these people know what you're doing? Hell no. Folks, folks, do you realize that Ray Dudley lives off of other human beings? He's a vampire. He lives off the misery of, of, of others, their their misfortunes, Who the stories of their of their <laughs> woes. and then and, and then what does he do? He casts it out into the world as pods. That's right. You didn't know what a podcast was. Well, that's what it is. He's casting them out as pods. And let me tell you something. As someone who was born in the 50s, I remember the body snatchers and those pods. I was 20 years old before I could shuck an ear of corn without worrying about something leaping out at me. Fine. All right. All right. Uh, Ray... Do your worst. I'm here. All I did was say hello. Oh. Oh. Uncorked oh. him. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did did I not off? Oh, uh, my God. You know what happens when you're 72? Jesus, take the wheel. We've gone <laughs> off the tracks. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, uh, I, I love Ray. Oh, I, no. I was just going to say that no, about you. No, no. I, I started off on the wrong foot.
0: <laughs> mm mm. Mm mm i wanted to tell you before we got too far in yes the last time i saw you and i don't think you know this um i saw you leaving maggie mark's wake yes um with i think
1: eric eric scoglin yes. yeah
0: yeah yeah man that place was packed yes it yes. was just she packed. was
1: an extraordinary woman a just wonderful human being um clearly the the folks uh, her family her friends uh, just loved her uh, she was an amazing person and she was extraordinary on stage I had the pleasure and honor to perform with her on on stage one's uh, stage uh, for our dinner theater shows and she she was just extraordinary
0: yeah I know i know she and she was very very grateful to you I'd spoken to her a couple of times about uh, her working down there at the um What's the, rest, the name of the restaurant?
1: It was the chateau. It's the it's chateau. it's since closed down.
0: So for those unlucky individuals who have no idea what we are talking about, give us a brief overview of your stage one stuff down there in Manchester and where you come from and all that.
1: Well, that'll take a couple of hours. But yes, okay, I'm hoping you know. <laughs> 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 but the the reader's digest version Dang it. is uh <laughs> No, no. I started producing. Uh, I started produce stage one uh, in uh, 18, 1981. Yes, I'm that old. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, we did, uh, we did the big musicals in the summertime at the Palace Theater. We produced uh, for eighteen years, and then we also produced dinner theater shows in the fall and winter at the, what was then the Chateau Restaurant on Hanover Street. And we would do four shows a year in the winter and. Um, And they're all small cast comedies uh, of all kinds, a lot of Neil Simon, uh, a lot of a lot of just funny, 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 entertaining stuff. And uh, we performed there for close to 35 years. Dang. Yep. 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 So we had a great time. Got to work with uh, a lot of people. Never... Actually, got to work with Ray Dudley at uh, the dinner theater. <laughs> but, uh, he was above all that, you know. <laughs> for, those, for those of you, who know still me. am. Yeah. So, um, uh, but we we performed there. We had an extraordinary audience. We people after after we got to be known, people came show after show, year after year. We got to know people on a first name basis they would sit at the same table with their friends and uh, and then and and it got to be so personal and so intimate that people would talk to me from. <laughs> the audience in the middle of performing, you know, and uh, and I would and sadly I would talk back to them because I had completely forgotten my lines, uh. <laughs> so I would strike up a conversation with somebody in the front row, by the way, how, how are you enjoying the show so far? Uh, excuse me a moment, I have to step off stage, line, time, somebody give me a line, hi, I'm back. And that was when you were young. <laughs> <laughs> and that was when I was young and uh and I got to work with so many wonderful people in that and and Maggie was was one of those people she just was extraordinary we did a show together called the six dance lessons in six weeks just a two-person show um funny and tragic uh poignant and comic it It really was an extraordinary play about the relationship between these two human beings. A young man who's a dance instructor and uh, an older woman who is alone and lonely and and dying of cancer. And it was just a wonderful, wonderful piece of theater. And uh, we actually got the chance to uh, perform it a second time. Um, years later, and had a great time and both of us both of us recognized it was just one of those moments in your career where you just go this is this is it it doesn't get any better than this. it just was perfect. We were perfect for the play uh and the play was perfect for us
0: those that's quite the accolades yep. um it's an i want to segue off of that um I have a lot of questions about um that time period i remember it well because there was this aura about working with george peel at the chateau not just stage one but specifically for some reason the chateau and i I remember people talking to me with this reverence like they had made it if if george had asked them to be there (laughs) in the chateau in their mind, somehow, they had made it. They, they, There was this thing, I guess, the fact that you either knew them or knew about them or something, and they all raved about working there um, and performing. And if you would explain real quickly, because I have another question about how things uh, came about, but the stage setting at the Chateau. This was not just like a proscenium theater. There was no thrust out. Go ahead and... Talk about the uh, interesting digs there.
1: Well, there are lots of different styles. There's obviously, like like you just said, there's proscenium, uh, which is the audience uh, is all facing in the same direction and looking at uh, the people on stage. Thrust is the same basic idea, except that the stage comes out into the audience to a certain extent and creates a little bit more intimacy because you're a little bit closer to the, the actors at, at some point in time. And then there's the traditional theater in the round, where there there are no walls. That basically the audience is completely encircling the uh, the cast. Um, All of them have their pluses and minuses. Uh, The most intimate is probably theater in the round. because everybody sees everything and everybody, and they move very close to the audience. In our situation there at the the chateau, when I first decided I was going to give uh, dinner theater a try, I I realized that theater in the round was not going to be a possibility in that particular space. Uh, The room was uh, long uh, and somewhat narrow. And I knew that Uh, I needed the ability to have uh, an offstage area um, that was close by, and so I designed theater in the H.
0: Hang on to that thought. A cliffhanger! Yes! A cliffhanger! We have our first NH Unscripted cliffhanger! You are listening to NH Unscripted. I am your handsome host, Ray Dudley. We are coming to you from the palatial digs of WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester. And don't go there yet, but out on the interwebs at nhtalkradio.com, we got to pay some bills. We're going to be back in a minute. do it's nh unscripted i am your bobby sherman lookalike host ray dudley we are coming to you from the spa like studios of wkxl in concord where you can find us at 1450 am 103.9 fm and for you blessed souls in manchester at 101.9 fm All of our shows, plus all the other ones here at WKXL, can be found at nhtalkradio.com. I am in the middle of a conversation with Mr. George Peel, whom every actor worth their salt has sought to work with. Some successfully, some unsuccessfully. When last we met, George had left us with a cliffhanger of a theater design that he used at the Chateau Restaurant.
1: Take it away. we right. back. Wait, wait a minute. I got to wash my hands. Okay. Someone okay, get geez, that old I'm man. Sorry. I
0: think he's running. Oh, my God. He's
1: like <sighs> running down the hall. Okay. Were we talking? <laughs> <laughs> I remember something about talking.
0: Oh, give him some applesauce, folks, and he's ready to go. <laughs>
1: so then there I was thinking, how can I design a stage in this this space? and i created
0: cavernous right it's just a big cavernous no no
1: actually it's a big long hall because they would split it up because they they had separate rooms and if you opened up all the dividers then you had this long semi-narrow room with wait with with some obstructions too there's a bar kind of sticking out anyway so i looked at it and i went okay i'm gonna put the stage in the middle of the room like theater in the round kinda Except that I can't have the audiences all around it because it's narrow. So I'm going to, and I need offstage space. So I'm going to create a stage with walls on either side. So you had audience on each side. The audience was basically looking at the actors and then continuing across the stage to the other audience. Thank God we didn't have food fights because it would have been terrible. <laughs> or, or, or at least they weren't throwing stuff at us, the actors, because they would have hit other patrons. But what was fascinating about that, two things. One, like I said, it, the intimacy of it, because the audience was close. The audience really was uh, sitting, uh, you know, five feet from the stage on either side and uh, and so they felt like they were part of everything that was going on and also the cast the actors were faced with a whole new way to block scenes a whole new way to act and at first it was odd because actors are used to facing the audience or facing three quarter to the audience and talking to the other actor who's facing three-quarter to the audience, except that now you have audience on both sides. So the solution basically was forget the audience, forget where they are, walk into the space, which was always a, 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 it was always a single set play. So the space was a, a living room or a dining room or a bedroom of some sort. Uh, With exits and entrances all around the various corners of the stage and you could get to a backstage area and change your clothes. And so actors suddenly found themselves looking straight at the other actor like they would in real life. And it was at first very strange. Yeah, you had to break yourself of a habit of turning kind of a little bit towards the audience. But then once you got used to that, you could do scene work where you were really face-to-face, nose-to-nose, eye-to-eye with the other performer. And, uh, and it made such an extraordinary dynamic for the actors as well. It was part of a, a reality. Yes, uh, you moved around the space like you would a living room. How would you move in a real living room? How would you talk to somebody? Because somebody will be able to see you the audience could see you they might be looking at somebody's back for some period of time but they were looking at your reaction to what was happening what was being said and vice versa it just and it moved wonderfully it was a great great experience we did all kinds of shows in that space I spent a a great deal of time with uh, studying scripts, because scripts had to fill the bill in terms of the limitations of that space. I was
0: just going to ask you about that.
1: So it wasn't—it was not a place where you could do a lot of tech. They're just you just couldn't. Lighting was simplistic. Uh, staging was simplistic. Even the furniture and the, all had to be basically simple. So all of the focus—all of the focus was on the play. Was it well written? Was it really, really funny? And those performers, those performers who could pull off being in a show with four, maybe six other people. Don't forget, it was a small stage. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It was. Uh, it was. Uh, it was a total of eighteen feet by twelve feet. And so you had to have people who could really just pull it off. There were no stars. Everybody had to be at their peak. Everybody had to be doing their job because there wasn't there wasn't anybody on that stage who wasn't really important to the play when you were when
0: you were thinking about what play to put up were there some that were were just out of the question because how do I ask this there are I know for a fact that you like comedies they work well mm-hmm. um, and you're a genius at knowing your demographic. Your demographic loves you, and you play to them very well. Mm-hmm. It's always been a strength for you. Um, when when you were looking at things, did you tend to lean more towards comedies? Or, or did you find it splitting? Was it easier to do a drama
1: or at times?
0: How did you come about that?
1: At first, my whole philosophy of producing was what does... The audience really want but what will be enjoyable because I'm here to entertain them I didn't start by thinking I'm here to teach them something I didn't start by thinking that uh, I want to emote Um, this was about making the audience laugh and enjoy themselves so comedy was the most important thing even in a even in a, in a play, the one I was discussing that I did with Maggie, The Six Dance Lessons in Six Weeks, there's a tremendous amount of comedy. And the beauty of that play was while the audience is laughing, there's a story happening underneath all of this. And then when the play gets to that point where you start to realize what's happening with these two people and what's happening in their lives, that the drama and the emotion and the caring about these two people is that much greater because they've been so much fun to watch. They've, you've enjoyed these two characters that are going through all of this stuff and they're funny and all, but then you realize they're human and they're, they're frail and you are so much more with them and you're close. Like I said, it was an incredibly intimate space so you chose plays that had some sort of important dynamic to them in some way shape or form for the most part mm-hmm. they were comedies in fact, we did a lot of uh, farces you know sex farces like no sex please were british or uh, or, the, or the other one uh, which which was called uh, uh, no sex please were 60 and um, and uh, those kind of plays a lot of Neil Simon you do the odd couple all of that stuff very very funny stuff uh and the audience knew that when they came the material would be very funny and very entertaining at times you brought in other you brought in plays that also had uh more depth more feeling more interest yes uh, occasionally, I did a mystery. I did, uh, and now the name escapes me. Uh, we did some mystery shows. Um, we did we did one that was completely off uh, off the rails with no stage at all. We did Tony and Tina's wedding, um, which was totally uh, audience. People love that too. And um, and it, what was nice is because we were at the chateau, everything was set up just the way it would be set up for a wedding. And so we had the whole wedding party and the play would take place in the, the space like a normal wedding. All of us would move around the tables and but also people would go out into the hall and we would go out to the hall. With what? The, with the people smoking outside. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Had the time of our lives. Hang on, hang on, Sloopy, hang on.
0: I love this guy. Oh my god. You are listening to NH Unscripted. I am your host, Ray Dudley. You hear the happy music. Yeah, I got my tap shoes on. We're tapping our way to the next break. We are coming to you from the studios of WKXL in Concord, 1450 a.m. That's a band on the radio. 103.9 FM on in Concord. You lucky folks in Manchester, 101.9 FM. And we are on the interwebs. Yeah, welcome to the 21st century. NHtalkradio.com. We're going to be back. Julie, Julie, do you love me? Of course you do. It's NH Unscripted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm your host, Ray Dudley. We are coming to you from the beautiful, palatial digs of WKXL Studios in Concord. You can hear us on 1450 AM, 103.9 FM. And down in Manchester, 101.9 FM. And we can be found at NHtalkradio.com. I have a good friend with me. A good friend. Wait, he's roaming the hall. Someone get that gizzy. Bring him back. Tell him we could jello. <laughs> okay. George Peel is here. He is finishing a story about play selection. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I can't. I can't go on, Ray. It's too much. (laughs) Why do I do this? Okay. (laughs) Wait. (laughs) Let me complete myself. Okay. (laughs) Take the straitjacket off him, will Uh, you? Let uh, him uh, him, him loose. uh, Okay. (sighs) Man. I'm pulling myself together. Thank you. Yeah. Lucky us. Yes. Hello, everybody out there in radio land. Yes. Uh, Now, continue, please. Oh, well. Please. just do what you feel like. I was talking Continue. about Tony and Tina's wedding. And, uh, oh yes, how, oh yes. How interactive it was, and, and the space was perfect for it. And of course, I played the father. I played the Italian gangster father. And uh, you know, and I'm I'm a I'm a method actor, so I'm in there. I'm 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 acting. My brains out here, you know, looking good, looking really good. I had a very nice <laughs> suit. You wouldn't you wouldn't believe it, you know. So along with all of that, you know, we're in the in this. but also I would go outside because there were people going out into the hallway outside and smoking cigarettes and stuff. So I'd go out there smoking cigarettes and (laughs) coughing, spitting, and going, I think the show's going to start soon and all of this stuff. I'm on. In other words, from the moment anybody saw me, I was the guy, you know? That's all. Would you believe, in the middle of this production, I had a woman come up to me she says, are, are you really, are you really like Italian? Are you really from Boston? Oh, of course I'm on. I, I'm an actor. I get, yeah, yeah, of course I'm from Boston. North then. What's, why? What's your problem? No, no, seriously. I need to know if you're really from, if you're, you know, this, this, this is real or not. Of course it's, wait, wait what, who are you talking to me? Hey. Um, I'm having a problem with my husband. <laughs> Yeah? I was wondering maybe there was something that could be done. I swear to you, I swear to God, I'm standing there looking at this woman who wants me to off her husband. Two to the hat. Can you give me two to the hat? And I'm thinking, and I never got an Academy Award? God's honest truth. Oh man! Hey, you just don't believe the things that sometimes happen in the theater.
0: Life was handing you another career. No. You passed it up. <laughs> <laughs> you could have been like Louis Louis Two Fingers or something.
1: No, no. I, I would go home. <laughs> go home after the show, and my wife would say, "Have you been smoking? Are you smoking?" <laughs> <laughs> I I did not smoke in those days. Oh, I haven't smoked man. since college. Oh my
0: god. Uh, college. College. Okay. Oh, good segue. Great segue. Thank you for the feed in.
1: <laughs> I'm I'm here for you, Ray. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm here for you. I, I can tell. I can tell. Yeah. I'm just uh I'm I'm so happy about it. <laughs> the other day, I flip on the radio, On comes Blood, Sweat and Tears. Mm-hmm. Takes me back to my high school years. And I'm thinking Wow. I immediately flash. I don't know what you did when you were in high school or whatever, but when I was a senior in high school, the popular place to go and hang out, believe it or not, was the graveyard. Literally, the graveyard. And uh, we would go over there. This is where, this is the, the rabbit hole I fell into. We used to drink Boone's Farm apple wine and listen to like blood, sweat, and tears. Credence Clearwater Revival, and on and on, in the graveyard, we were tanked. And I thought, wait, George is coming in. I got to ask him. What does any of that ring a bell with you? Did did you were you into that whole Boones Farm and Bartles and James and all of that back then? And what groups were you like following
1: back then? Boones Farm, huh? yeah. Wow. Apple. I under so much more I understand so much more about you now, Ray. I you know, sometimes why do I play this straight? Sometimes a door opens and you go, Oh (laughs) no, I get it. (laughs)
0: i should know better
1: i should know better uh, you know you i'm trying to have a little conversation with a friend he digs a hole for me so you know it's like 1967 yeah 68 exactly thank you and um and and you're going to be you're going to be so disappointed right I was the straightest laced, boring. I am disappointed human now. Human being <laughs> in the world. That's it. Don't cash the um, check, okay? I, you know, I, I, I was not into sports. I didn't have a lot of friends. The the friends I had were in the theater club. I was I tinkered around with the theater club, but yes, I didn't. I was not a drinker. I was not a smoker. I was not anything. Me neither.
0: I meant to say yeah, I heard sure, that you
1: heard about the graveyard. Yeah, right. But but there were guys that were just like you. So I wouldn't be a bit surprised that one of those guys I ended up just like hey, me. Come on, peel. Come on, get your butt out of here. Come on. We're going for a ride. And so we got in the car and we went for a ride and I'm with, the, there was a guy who was, uh, he was a senior, I think at the time. So, you know, and the rest of us are all juniors and freshmen. And, and so we're in this car and, and, uh, and it drops us off in the middle of nowhere. There's a big park in the town I grew up in. We didn't have a. There are plenty of graveyards, but I guess the graveyard wasn't the place to go. I was just referencing, a- <laughs> and and it could be because the cops knew that the kids would go to the graveyard for all I know. But you know, so now we're out in this park, in this back of this park, and we're going down this dirt road, and out comes these bottles of booze now uh, you know what boone's farm could have certainly been part of it i'll bet it was i remember that one of the guys pulled out a bar bottle and the other guys were going oh no kidding he brought out a bottle of chavez regal oh and so now mm. the whole idea i mean this is this was the whole point was drink all the booze and get wasted and so i'm but i'm with older guys and they're all having a good time and they're like tough guys and all this and they're playing on the football team and I'm, you know, and they're all getting plots to beat the band and uh, and I'm like sipping on <laughs> these things but you know, I could feel it but, and the minute I started to f- feel that sort of buzz, I just slowed down and just, and slowly but surely, they, you know, they were all getting smashed. The leader of the pack, the oldest guy, the guy who got us all there he has gone insane. This is the middle True of- True story? He is the middle of the winter. We're out in, the, we're out in this woodsy park. There's two inches of snow on the ground, and he has lost his mind. He is so bombed, he is running around, screaming and yelling, talking to trees. So now he's making too much noise. So now we have to figure out what to do with him. Now, we got dropped off here, okay? This is before cell phones, so so now we're trying, to, we're trying to get him out of the park. I'm the most sober. I'm also probably the youngest, least experienced, but we're all moving him slowly towards the road, trying to figure out what we're going to do now. So we get out to the road and we finally we get we're now now what are we going to do? We're out on this road it's just not you know again we're not in town we're like enough away but we're walking down the road we're trying to sober him up we we've got at least a mile to walk to get anywhere near our homes And sure enough, some guy comes by. He's one of the kids from high school. He spots us. He pulls over. What the heck? Oh, my God. We shove everybody in the car. And, of course, I won't go into how disgusting the car ended up looking after the ride. And the first place we go is to his house, this guy's house, because we have to get rid of him because he's still completely out of it. And and we did the classic. I mean, it's like right out of a movie. We take him out of the car we're carrying him pretty much we put him on his front stoop we ring the doorbell and we take off i mean really you have seen you have seen this scene in movies and plays such a a friend a thousand times and but to us to to me at 17 i'm like my heart is pumping and um pounding and on and screaming and all these guys and the, the guys are still half in a bag. I'm the only one who's sober. And so we jump in the car and we all take off. Next morning, there we are back at school in high school. And uh and you know we're walking around and everybody goes, Where's Ray? He didn't come to school today. Well he's probably really hung over. Okay, all day long. No no Ray, no Ray. Then finally somebody comes up lunchtime says, about Ray? No, what? His mother didn't hear the doorbell. What? The cops picked him up. Last
0: oh, night. no!
1: Bada boom! Bada bing! Oh, no! Oh, oh!
0: <laughs> Dang, I hear the happy music. Got all my jazz gloves. Yeah, doing the wave. Time for a break. You are listening to NH Unscripted. I am your host, Ray Dudley. We are hearing tales from the past from George Peel. You can f- listen. Oh, you can. You are listening to us, coming to you from the beautiful studios of WKXL in Concord, where I want to... F- geez,
1: 40, 50. <laughs> I, I, uh, I guess the moon's Farm has kicked in. Got me flustered. 103.9 FM Concord, 101.9
0: FM in Manchester, and nhtalkradio.com. Yeah, unfortunately,
1: we'll be back. <laughs>
0: Boom, baby! You are listening to NH Unscripted. I am your host, Ray Dudley. You are listening to us, coming to you from the digs of WKX Unconquered, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM. And you happy, lucky folks in Manchester get to hear us on 101.9 FM. You can find this show, all the archives of this show, and all the other shows at nhtalkradio.com. In studio with me is my good friend George Peel. He told us a tragic tale just a moment ago. A tragic tale. George, before we go any further, I need to rant. This is an old man rant. I'm coming up 93 the other day, and as I'm coming approaching the toll booth, okay, so just an old man rant here. I'm coming up and approaching the toll booth, and of course I'm in the left-hand lane, because that's the speed lane, and as I'm approaching the tolls, it cranks down to 35 miles an hour. 35 miles an hour in the speed lane. Honest to God, if it had gotten any slower, I would have just gotten out of my car and walked up and slapped someone. Who in the right mind, you know how people slow down for some unknown reason? They go in that lane, and they just slow down for like the, the cameras can't catch him or something out there. Oh, you know what I'm talking about? Somebody wake him up. He, somebody wake this guy up. Is he still Ray, here? Is Ray, he in the studio? Ray,
1: did you see your therapist this week?
0: <laughs> Does that not bother you? Does that, <laughs> come on, you're a traveler. There's nine booths to the right where if you want to go 35, you can go 35.
1: I understand, Ray. <laughs> I understand. You know, you know, understand. That
0: I'm looking for sympathy here.
1: There is... There are terrible things happening in the world, Ray.
0: Oh my God! I know and children needing the food I haven't eaten off my plate in China.
1: I know, I know. Uh, I, <laughs> you know, I, you bring this up now after after seventy years of driving a car. You're going to bring this up now that people do. St- yeah, I'm an old man ranting. What am I going to do? I thought you could appreciate this story. Get over
0: it, Ray. Thirty-five. Come on, come on, to both of my listeners. If either one of you are that guy that slowed down to thirty-five, you're in trouble. I'm warning you. Oh, I did one. Did you say tell me a little while ago? You just
1: got back from a trip, motorcycle trip. A short one, yes. I I, I have not been able to do the kind of motorcycling. Uh, I do because of uh, uh, health issues, uh, uh, surgeries one after another, whether it's my lumbar or whether it's my hip replacement. and, uh, And of course, all of you out there, I'm sure many of you out there can sympathize with all of that stuff that starts to happen in your later years. When you reach those golden times. Is that
0: what I have to look forward to? That's
1: what you have to look forward to, Ray. Yes. Doctor visits, <laughs> x-rays and MRIs, and CAT scans. I see. I see. I won't even get into the other personal issues that, that we have to cope with, but... <laughs> the show's been hijacked. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the incontinence of it all. <laughs> Tell me about your bike. <laughs> How's that for a segue? Well, it's a, it's a great segue. I mentioned to you in my last story about the gentleman who uh, we ended up putting on the, the stoop of his house and he ended up getting arrested.
0: Wait, let's put that you said you left him on his porch. You literally
1: abandoned him on his stoop. Anyway, oddly enough, I bought my first motorcycle from him. Um, Back in those same time period, Uh, he probably needed the money for bail. (laughs) And um, (laughs) so I bought a 1963 Honda Dream. It was a 305 Dream. And that was the first motorcycle I ever owned. And I started riding motorcycles from that time forward. Um, Over the years, I've had Hondas and I've had Yamahas. um, And I ride a lot. Now, during the during the years when I was doing a lot of theater, there wasn't a lot of time for motorcycling. Obviously, my summers were completely eaten up with summer stock theaters, whether it was mine or someone else's but um, later, as I be- got more control over my schedule, I was able to do a lot of riding and I've always enjoyed it. I'm a backroads rider, not a speed demon um, I find I find that the freedom of riding a motorcycle uh, is just a great relaxer and refresher. Uh, like theater, like acting, you have to be focused. You have to be focused at all times because it's dangerous. Motorcycling is without, is inherently dangerous. There's you're traveling at a, at a upward of 35 to 50 miles an hour and at that speed, you will get hurt. Uh, no matter how much safety gear you may be wearing, you will get hurt if something goes wrong. So you're supposed to be focused, and I am. Um, and it is that awareness, that focus, and then using all of your physical skills, your hand-eye coordination, your sense of time and space, using the motorcycle, feeling it move underneath you, becoming, uh, I know this sounds 70s, but yes, becoming one with that machine—it's uh—it's exhilarating. And then there's the smells. There's the smells of the world. The springtime, summertime, fall all have their own particular smells, especially in the farmland <laughs> and the backwoods. But it's it's just a great great feeling. I've been so I've been riding for over over 50 years now and uh, I just love it I just find that it is the thing that I find most relaxing for a person who is never into sports never into sailing never golfed it is my escape it is my place to be
0: are you a helmet on or helmet off person
1: I am a helmet on person uh, for the most part there have been plenty of times when I have ridden without a helmet Um, I'm aware and I would like to say that It's a choice that I make at the time. If I'm in a particular situation, I will ride the motorcycle without a helmet. But as a general rule, um, I spent a lot of time and money finding a helmet that was so comfortable that you just wanted to wear it. Um, I don't wear a full face helmet. Or a whole helmet, I wear what's called a half helmet. So uh, it's very, it's very 50s, very style of helmet that you'd see people wearing. It's a, it's a top and it, it has a strap that goes under your chin with a with a uh, cloth uh, things that go over your ears, and it's lightweight, and you get to hear everything. There is nothing that impairs your vision. Some of the full-size helmets really do impair your peripheral vision. It's certain they certainly do impair your ability to hear your surroundings, and I want to be able to hear everything, see everything. Uh, I think that's important for safety. But again, summertime, hot weather, a lot of guys, are, it gets very hot inside a helmet. Yeah, and. Uh, and you have to find something that you really almost enjoy, uh, wearing. And I managed to do that, uh, um, in my career and find a company and not, not to plug anybody they they're, they're called the super seer S E E R. And, uh, they make policemen's helmets. Um, and, uh, they have a style that is all very D O T, uh, Sanction and part of it, uh, it, it fits all the bills it's extremely safe and yet it is extremely cool cool and lightweight in the summertime so it's heavier than a hat but it has all of the protection that you're supposed to have completely designed to protect you unlike what a lot of bikers will wear what we call a beanie which is literally just a plastic a plastic bowl that you strap to your head to for for legal oh I've seen for those. legal purposes yeah, yeah, this, yeah this helmet is not that at all this helmet is a complete well designed and so yes for the most part I wear a helmet all the time especially now now that my hair is thinning because otherwise I get sunburn on the top of my head
0: hair thinning <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: please. <laughs> please well okay Ray not like yours I realize I have. Yes, folks, I have more hair on my head than than Ray.
0: I opened that door. But, I, I regret that.
1: But I'm sure he has more hair on his chest.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. Um, I was going to ask you more stuff about travel, but I, I, <laughs> I'm going to dig myself out of that hole for a second. In case there are any actors or anything who happen to be listening to this... Um, how, did you have a method? I don't know how many plays you must have memorized over your years? Mm-hmm. Did you have a specific method for learning lines
1: uh, again this is this is part of your craft, so the whole point of your craft is to find out what works for you right. That's true of whether you're memorizing lines or whether you're doing a character. I mean, we all know that there is people who act, they use the, the it's called the method yeah. or, they, or technique. Um, you find what works for you and your style. It's as simple as that. So now lines, you can memorize or you can write it all down. Some people write out all their lines. Some people put it on tape and listen to it over and over again. Some people don't learn their lines until they've got blocking, until they're interacting, and they—all of those things, all of those things are useful and usable. Find out what works for you.
0: I asked if you. I. Uh, we're not going to find out. I asked him. Do you have anything that works? Okay, we got to leave it there. The happy music. My feet are dancing. My toes are twiggling. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: (laughs) We got to send them back to the home. Yeah, we got to get rid of them now. No, I don't want to go. You have been listening to NH Unscripted. I am your host, Ray Dudley. We are coming to you from the studios of WKXL in Concord, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM. And for you folks in Manchester, 101.9 FM as well. Go out to nhtalkradio.com and find the archives. Thank you to everybody, especially my good friend, George Peel. I appreciate you so much, buddy. Thanks for the stories. I'm not sure they're all true, but hey, I just let him talk. We'll be back.